Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast and your authority on all things Leadville. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. We want to take you on a journey of storytelling of our now 38-year rich history. We also then want to follow that up with tricks and tips that will get you to that line come August and let our community members have a little say in that too. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you this summer. We'll see you at home in Leadville. Now it's no secret that Leadville was founded on the backs of strong women. But occasionally a strong man can sneak through, and today we're going to recognize one of those. Today, my guest is Frank Minson. He was my Lake County High School coach, uh, but I feel he is the best coach in America, past, present, or future at any distance to be run. Frank knows about digging deep. He knows about sacrifice. He knows about commitment. And he's found his inexhaustible well of grit, gut, and determination. Today I've cornered him long enough to share a little bit of that wisdom with you. So I, uh, I invite you to take advantage of that. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, Coach, I hear, you have quite, I hear you're quite the runner. Can you tell me some of your achievements? Sure, Cole. Um, I attended Western State College, now Western State University in Gunnison, Colorado, in the early 70s, uh, pretty much as a walk-on, uh, I just wanted to remain active in sports after my high school days at Denver Lincoln, and uh, I got going, and uh, it turned out to be bigger and better things. I ended up as a steeplechaser, distance guy, and I was the college's first All-American, uh, and then uh, Dwayne Vanderbush came in just right when I was leaving, and led them to like 13 national championships in his tenure. And uh, I ended up getting a job in 1976 here in Leadville, Colorado, and continued my running career while I had a teaching career before really I started coaching. And uh, in about 1979, I was still running pretty competitively. I was a Nike-sponsored athlete. All I did is get Shoes and some trips, but that was pretty good because I had a real job. Um, I ran the uh, Nike Marathon in Eugene, Oregon in the fall. I think it was 1979. I ran my first marathon to 2014 and qualified for the 1980 Olympic trials, which I was pretty excited about because that was my first marathon. Well, little did I know about uh, six, seven months later, at that time, President Jimmy Carter decided to boycott the Moscow Olympics and penalize all the athletes because of the Russian intervention in Afghanistan. So uh, I still continued to teach and coach and didn't go to the trials that year and uh, still continued with my running. But then uh, I became more involved in coaching in uh, 1981 after uh, Dick Anderson, the legendary coach here at Lake County, uh, kind of retired and moved on and I was the next man up. And uh, we continued with the dynasty that we had here in the 80s. Um, I think I had uh, 13 state championships. I had uh, seven boys and six girls at that time. And uh, we were a real powerhouse in cross-country running in all divisions, one through five in those times. But we had a rich heritage here, again, started by uh, now it's the late Dick Anderson who passed away a few years ago. But I owe a lot of my... Uh, training methods and understanding of distance runners and track runners and myself from Dick Anderson, Dwayne Vandenbush at Western, Joe V. Hill at Adams State. Uh, did a lot of research and books and things like that and took a lot of summer classes from some great coaches and kind of molded everything together. And I still tried to train and run competitively, but as you become older, your values change and time to develop a career and uh, move on with your life. So that's kind of where I was. Well, you did have one good uh, big running achievement in 1984. you mind telling us about that? Uh, 
Yeah, I was still running pretty competitive. I always run pretty competitive in the 80s with your training high school kids because that always gives them something to shoot for. Uh, My philosophy was I'd run with them pretty much every day, or if I couldn't, I'd be on the bike, the mountain bike, and, you know, pace them and do that. I uh, trained and ran uh, Boulder Boulder that year, and I entered in the citizens race, and I ended up winning the citizens race that (laughs) year. So that was kind of a, a boost for myself, even though the twilight of my career was coming to an end. But uh, it boosted uh, some of my athletes because I've had other athletes uh, a couple of years later win the Citizens Division from Leadville. And it continued to put Leadville Lake County High School on the map with distance running and track and field. Yes, it sure did, to say the least. Now, you're, I do know that you're a Denver native, but we do have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. When did Leadville find you? Uh, that, that's very interesting because, uh, like I said, I grew up in Denver and I spent a lot of times in the mountains, but not around Leadville, not around this area. My uncle had a house in Crested Butte, Colorado. He bought a second home after the mines collapsed there, very cheap. And so I spent a lot of my summers growing up exploring the mountains, fishing, hiking, those kinds of things. And then when I graduated from Lincoln, I decided, you know, Western State was going to be a good fit for me. But anyway, my first year at Western in the dorms, I had a roommate, Dan Mason, from Leadville, Colorado, who was on a state championship teams at that time from uh, coached by Dick Anderson. And little did I know, about five or six years later, I'd be moving to Leadville. I still hadn't been to Leadville until... Um, I accepted a job in August of 1976 from uh, the administration here. Uh, Bill Kerrigan was the assistant superintendent, and he offered me a job. Uh, It was getting late in the school, late in the summer, and the beginning of the school year was starting, and they needed a uh, PE teacher and a science teacher at the middle school, so I was the lucky guy that got the job, and my career took it from there, and 32 years after that, I uh, retired after being in Leadville for like 14 years, and then I moved on to Summit County as a principal of the elementary school in Frisco, and then uh, serving as the high school principal of Summit High School. And then after I retired, I was glad to get out of Summit Summit County just simply because (laughs) it's an extension of Denver, and moved back to Leadville. And uh, just recently, I've kind of semi-relocated to Montrose, Colorado, and I split my time between Montrose and Leadville, Colorado. But that's how I found out about Leadville. My roommate in college was from from here, and uh, so I was gladly to come up here and uh, begin, I believe, a pretty successful coaching and teaching career at uh, Lake County High School in Leadville, Colorado. Yes, now let's move on to that coaching career. But before we get on to that coaching career, I'd like you to tell me about what happened in 1982 when you took a sabbatical to earn your master's at Western State. After teaching like six years in uh, Lake County, uh, I had an opportunity to begin my master's down at uh, Western State College, again, Western um, University now, Western State University in Gunnison, and I took a year off from teaching and coaching, and my assistant at that time, Gary Hanks, who was very successful under Dick Anderson and myself, took over the reins that year while I was gone, and I moved to Gunnison, and I worked under Dwayne Vanderbush, and uh, we coached, I coached cross country and track that year, and worked on my master's, and uh, my goal was to get my master's in uh, got it in uh, education, emphasis in physical education, science education, because I was teaching. And also, after I uh, earned that, I uh, did some emphasis in educational administration so I could become a principal down the line, even though I didn't use it for, you know, six or seven years. But anyway, while I was down there, Western State was just getting started and becoming a real powerhouse. But one thing they couldn't do was beat... Joe V. Hill at Adams State College down in uh, Alamosa. Well, I had a group of runners. I was fortunate to bring uh, a runner named Steve Roach from Lake County who uh, won cross country that year, was the state champion. He won the mile and the two mile in track also. So 
I got him to come down there with me. Another runner who was second behind him in all three of those events over that year was uh, Jerry Downtown Brown from uh, Palisade, Colorado. They had a great nucleus of talent, but they weren't quite organized as a team yet. And so uh, I got down there and worked with them, and it was a, it was kind of a change for them and me. Uh, a lot of talent down there. I had Scott Venata from Wasson High School, Robbie Conrad from Wasson High School, Dennis Big D Leck, we called him, from North Glen High School. Uh, Keith Dowling from New Zealand was on the team. Um, Todd Billings from Green Mountain High School. And we had a couple other uh, runners that came in, and we molded ourselves into a championship team that year. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears for all of us, and we beat Adam State in the conference meet. Looking forward to going to the national meet and representing Western State, but in those days, um, when a school has a violation in recruiting or some infraction through the uh, NCAA, they would penalize all sports, and they had an infraction in football, and I can't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. But anyway, they penalized all sports, all sports from postseason events. So we got crushed. We did not have an opportunity to run in the national meet that year. So our national meet was a conference meet. But the point was that was the first time really anybody had beat Adam State <laughs> since they started their program in the in the mid '60s, and uh, they were just invincible. And you know they they continue to have a tremendous program down there. And them and Western. And School of Mines now are very competitive in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference and also in the national meets. So that was it. And then I finished my the school year ended and I came back to uh, Lake County and uh, continued to teach and coach and then finished my degrees off during the summer months and uh, tried to run a competitive program with the athletes we had. And we did have a lot of, a lot of uh, historical value to this program is we had younger siblings that ran here, and now when their brothers or sisters grew up, and, uh, you know, it was almost automatic that, you know, they would come out to run. And uh, But it was, you know, a challenge. You weren't guaranteed anything every year. You had to mold these kids into uh, what you think they could be with their talent. And if they didn't have talent, a lot of them could overcome their talent through a hard work ethic and uh, our guidance. Yes, for sure. Uh, you guys proved that. Uh, let's dig into that. Let's dig more into you and high school coaching, and let's start just even a little bit before. Uh, Leadville obviously used to have quite a legacy with high school cross-country running. Can you tell us about that, but can you go back even a little bit further and tell us the program you inherited from this coach, Dick Anderson? Well, Dick Anderson... Uh he had coached earlier in his career, I believe, at uh, Mapleton High School, which no longer exists. And uh, somehow the position opened up in Lake County, and he came up here in the early 70s, or late 60s, early 70s, and uh, used his knowledge and transformed, started a cross-country program. They did not have cross-country. And he could see that there was opportunity up here because they had good distance runners and track. So he got cross-country going, and uh, the wheels start churning. And they won some girls' championships right off the bat. That was in uh, the mid-'70s when they, they started to recognize girl championship in some of these events. And he took them from there. And uh, after he left in 80, uh, I took over, and I just continued it. And I believe at that time we had the longest winning streak for girls. We won seven in a row. And then I believe it was either Centauri or Alamosa that uh, beat us in the mid-80s. And then we had to, you know, kind of work our way back to the top because other schools were getting competitive. And they could see that there was opportunity up there getting girls involved in athletics at that time. But Dick kept the, the program going uh, with the boys also. And then I came in and, and like I said, uh, we were pretty much favorites almost every year barring disaster or whatever. But, uh, you know, I just tried to keep the ball rolling. I learned a lot from Dick on training methods. And, you know, you're at 10,151 feet approximately up here. It's a lot different training up here than it is training in Denver. And we used to call Denver sea level uh, <laughs> compared to training up here at the high altitude. I mean, you couldn't do the near the volume. 
You just can't because you need more recovery time up here. And so I, you know, my thing was I, I wanted a lot of races to race them in shape. That way we didn't have to train as hard and we got a little travel time. I was big on running two races a week, usually a Friday, Saturday, or a Tuesday, Friday, or a Tuesday, Saturday. And uh, the rest of the days were practice, whether they be, you know, distance, meaning if you run east of town, you run uphill to start and it's downhill coming home. Or if you run west of town, it's downhill going out and uphill coming back. And once in a while, we get a bus and go down by the golf course where it was as flat as it could be and run tempo runs or pole to pole and, uh, you know, run some flat stuff like that. But uh, I think it eventually paid off. And, uh, yeah, I always try to come up with some new ideas, listening, going to coaching clinics in the summer and uh, talking to other coaches. Uh, one of uh, the great coaches I, I still think of, even though he's retired, was Dennis Shepard at Green Mountain High School and Ron Keller at uh, Durango High School. And Larry Zaragoza out of Centaurus, Centauri High School down in the Valley, and he was at Alamosa. So, uh, you know, we would pick each other's brains, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a hit or miss. Some of the things they do did not work so well for us, and some of the things I'm sure we did did not work so well for them. Uh, but um, I just tried to keep the heritage going, and again, you know, if you'd come through the high school in the four-year and you'd see all these state championship trophies, that would kind of get you excited right away. Especially uh, when I was teaching at the middle school, I had a handle on a lot of these kids that were, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth graders that uh, I could turn them on to, you know, maybe they're not good football players or they're, they're too small or whatever. There's still an avenue for success in other sports. And it doesn't necessarily have to be cross country. It could be something else. But, you know, a lot of those kids would try a sport and they weren't successful and and uh, I'd get them to come out. Maybe it took them a year or so to uh, to get used to the program, get used to the workload and with some summer training. We had summer programs going on. We did some summer racing, just summer racing around some of the mountain towns and get them going. And uh, pretty much, you know, the rule was you have to come into the start of the season in pretty decent shape because we don't have a lot of time and, you know, you'd have maybe two weeks of practice, 10 days, and then we're going to Denver to Arapahoe and boom, boom, boom. So uh, to prevent injuries, you got to do a little workload in the summer. And I would uh, try to monitor what they were doing and, and keep them going. And hopefully we had some success. And I think it did over the years. Uh, I think you're being a little bit humble. How many years did you coach? I coached from... Uh, 1980 the fall and then I took 82 off and then I my last year was 1990 uh at the end of the school year 1991 but cross country was 1990 so I had 10 years of uh really coaching cross country and I had seven boys state championships and I had six girls state championships and uh those other years maybe we were second or third or we didn't do so well it was always a rebuilding year or reloading, as I would say. We don't rebuild. We just reload with with uh, talent coming up. Where once in a while we'd get lucky and we'd have some, some kids just show up because they moved in because their parents worked at Climax or maybe their mom and dad was a teacher or they worked for the county government or something. So we'd always try to take advantage of them. And uh, so, yeah, it was good. I have no complaints. I, I've learned a lot. And uh, I think I shared my knowledge with all the kids and uh, the other coaches I had. I know very few coaches, V Hill being the one, that have more uh, championships than years coaching. So I think you're way too humble. Why'd you abandon me my senior year? <laughs> well, Cole, I know that was hard because we had a role going and, and we had a bunch of youngsters. They were either freshmen or sophomores and we just come off a, uh, we won the state that year. And uh, I had a job opportunity. I'm always a big guy saying if you hear that knocking on the door, at least open it and see who's there. Don't hide behind it. And again, I uh, had an opportunity to uh, interview for some positions in uh, administration because at that time I was the assistant principal athletic director at the middle school here. So I had my feet wet with some of that stuff and I had an opportunity uh, in a lot of places. 
And I just realized a lot of them, when I'd go to those interviews, it wasn't going to be a good fit right from the start. I could just tell. <laughs> and uh, But I had an opportunity uh, in June of 1991 down in Summit uh, School District, which was, in this case, Frisco Elementary, to become an elementary principal. And uh, so I was offered, the, took the interview and offered the job. I was pretty well overwhelmed with the interview because I walked in there and a lot of interviews, you'd maybe have the superintendent and assistant superintendent, one or two teachers. And, you know, that would be it. I walked in this thing and and there was, I think, 13 to 15 people in this room. And I thought, number one, I'm in the wrong room. (laughs) And uh, number two, I asked the superintendent, is this like a job like for IBM or Microsoft or something? You know, I mean, I was like clueless, but that was their standard down there. And um, I don't know if I baffled them or bored them or what, but the next day I was offered the job and I had 24 hours to take it or they were moving on. (laughs) There was no messing around down there. And uh, so I took the job and relocated down there. And I was the principal for eight years at the elementary school. And those were great years, great supportive parents, great community. And then I think it was about 1999. Uh, the superintendent called me up one day. It was in the summer. I was laying on the couch sleeping to golf, as I used <laughs> to say, on a Saturday. And he says, uh, well, I got some news for you that uh, we're going to move you up to the high school. And I rolled over. I thought I was dreaming. And I fell on the floor. And that woke me up. And I said, say what? And uh, it was true. They <laughs> had some problems up in, in, at the high school. They were going through a principal a year. And they just couldn't keep some consistency. And so I took the job uh, in uh, September of 1999 and moved to the high school. And then I retired there in 2006. And again, I love the athletics. I love the kids. The parents were very supportive. Uh, We had a lot of great financial opportunities in that place. And uh, those were great years. And then all of a sudden I had uh, my time. I shouldn't say my time, but I, I had 30 years of uh, active service. And, you know, I, I was still pretty young. And so I started early and got out early and have moved on since then. And uh, I've enjoyed all the years I've had in teaching and coaching. I have quite a few friends still around the area. And uh, I see students all the time and we share stories and things are good. So uh, life goes on and I'm still trying to remain healthy and active by uh, you know, I don't do so much running anymore. I do mount, more mountain biking. I do a lot of 14ers and those kinds of things that stay active. And, uh, you know, I've been active in the race series and the biking up here. So I'm a big proponent of that. I think it does a lot for the community, a lot for everybody's self-awareness of what we have to offer up here in the great outdoors of uh, Leadville, Colorado, also known as Lake County. Well, and I... You know, it's obviously a very smart move to go over to Summit County. We've always recognized how lucky we were you didn't take up coaching there. So thank you. Uh, But now, you know, it was never the same after you left. Uh, We actually haven't won a boys championship, I don't think. I think we've won. uh, There was one. uh, Gary Hanks uh, took over for me. He was a great assistant. I mean, and we won the first one. Won the away. first one, and then you know things change. Leadership, leadership changes. Styles change. A lot of people want to don't want to copy the people they replace. They want to do their own thing, and that's fine. You just hope it works. And uh, you know, I think it worked to a certain degree for him. Plus, the dynamics of the school population changed. So uh, you know, with a lot of change in the school system. Uh, you have to change, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, nobody likes change, but that's kind of the way it goes. You have to adapt to some of these things they're throwing at you from all angles. And, uh, you know, kind of Lake County has definitely slid down, but, you know, you can't stay on top forever, but you'd like to. And, uh, you know, hopefully here, one of these years, they're going to come back. This last year, I believe the boys were second in state, yeah. and they, they did really well. The girls are up and becoming, and so uh, I think with the current coaching they have now, I think I look for bigger and better things. But, you know, they've had some rough years in between, but you can look at any of those schools would have had, if you want to call it a dynasty, repetitive championships. Uh, it's tough. 
it's tough to, you know, repeat the next year because somebody's always gunning for you. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Uh, you and Anderson, though, I still, I think, what was it, had accumulated 18 and 24 yeah, it was, possible titles? Yeah, it was some big number. I was never a big... It was 18 and 24, you two were magic. Yeah, I, I never... You know, people always ask me, and I couldn't tell them. I said, we won a bunch, and then finally I go, I better tell them the truth. <laughs> and so I went back and looked at that stuff. And, you know, also during those years I was here, we had a great ski program under Don Quinn, who started the same year as me in 1976. And he was uh, usually the middle school coach for cross-country running in the fall. And then he helped me a couple of years at the high school. But he was the main guy behind the ski program here, and we were lucky enough. Uh, when I was his assistant, because I did that too, because most of my runners were cross-country skiers. And then, you know, some of them ran track. They were kind of burned out in the spring, and that's understandable. But uh, under Quinny, as we call him, he won. we won a couple of state championships. And then I was just getting too busy with everything, and I slid out of there. And I think he won another one or two state championships in skiing. And then, as always, you know, uh, he retired, I retired, and things change. And time to move on and let somebody let some new blood come in and uh, ride the horse <laughs> very well well okay so the new blood's in let's switch gears ourselves here let's talk about the race series what uh leadville race series events have you participated in um i haven't done the running because when my running career i was more of uh, a short short guy like uh not in stature but uh, <laughs> in running meaning a uh, mile, 5,000 meters, steeplechase, 10,000 meters. You know, I ran some half marathons, ran a couple of marathons. and and uh, But I have run the uh, 10K up here uh, after the uh, mountain bike race. So that's one I've done. But I think the big thing over the years, it's changed. Running has changed from a lot of road racing to mountain races, to mm -hmm. trail races. Mm -hmm. I see the numbers going up and up and up and up. And up so much, including this race series before COVID hit, that this thing was huge. There was like 1,800 mm -hmm. in the, in that race, the uh, half marathon and uh, marathon early in June because I I helped out with that and did some things. And I was just I was just my head was shaking. How many people <laughs> are so into this? And they come from all over. It's a great economical boost. You can look for Colorado. You can look for Lake County and Leadville. It's just tremendous, and it's a good, healthy activity. And uh, so I think the running series is great because, you know, there's always something going on starting early June. If there isn't a race, there's a camp. And I think if you want to participate in that running series, wherever you live, I would suggest you come up and look at the course on a weekday or a weekend if, if you live in Denver or somewhere around here and just – Run it so you know what you're getting into because uh, these races, there's no mercy. <laughs> you know, it's just pretty cut and dried. And then, uh, you know, I got in, I got more actively involved in the uh, bike series. Mm -hmm. And I've done uh, the stage race and I've done the 100. And, uh, you know, again, <laughs> you better uh, know what volume is <laughs> and uh, not drinking volume, but uh, training volume and you better know what uh, altitude is, same way in the running. And you better know what vertical is. And you put all of those together. And again, if you can, come up here and do the 50 or do the stage race. The stage race is perfect if you're going to do the 100. Whether you're doing it that year or you're skipping a year just to see what you're getting into. But don't underestimate these races because uh, you gotta you got to put in some work. You know, whether your goals are... Uh, just to finish, you still got to put in your work on this stuff. But the terrain is tremendous. I just got done riding a bunch of it today. It's starting to get dried out on the west part of uh, town, the pipeline, and uh, over to Twin Lakes. So that's that's getting good. We're starting to see more people coming up. And, uh, you know, they're starting their training and their vertical and their volume. And you definitely got to do that. If you're, uh, you know, a weekend rider, uh, don't don't have too lofty goals, but you know you can do other things. You can run. Uh, you mm -hmm. can you can do the stationary inside. You can do the stair stepper. There's a lot of things you can do. But my suggestion is uh, come up and take one of these other races. Come up and do one of the training camps. Uh, 
if you can't do any of those, <coughs> excuse me, just come up and train. Uh, you can pick up a map at you know any of the sports shops here and uh, find the course, ask people, and uh, go online and get out there and ride for a few hours and, and know what you're getting into. Uh, and, and that's going to be your best success right there or get with a couple of people that are coming up. So uh, I'm just glad from my understanding, it looks like uh, Lifetime is going to be able to move ahead with the race series this summer, running and cycling. It's going to be a boost for everybody, mentally, physically, emotionally, for the town and uh, all of us involved, whether we compete or if we live here. Uh, I've helped crew people on that uh, the race series. I think that's fun. Uh, it's a camaraderie. We have a lot of people that come up. We have kind of a training block where I live here in Leadville. We have a bunch of folks that come out from North Carolina and Minnesota. And we all train together. We eat together. Uh, we do a lot of activities together. We've developed quite the bond and relationships over the last couple of years. And I look forward to uh, those uh, men and women are coming out this summer with uh, big and brighter ideas. So now are you still participating or are you just helping these individuals with success in their race? Uh, I haven't decided what I'm going to do because like I said, I'm still training. I mean, I'm, I'm in fairly good shape. I just haven't decided what I'm going to do. Like I, I've kind of transitioned uh, down to Montrose, Colorado. I've moved my mother down there and she's 92 years old. So my time up here in Leadville has been cut by about 60%. <laughs> But I train down there. The weather has been spectacular. There's really no winter down there. But you don't have the altitude. Montrose is 6,000 feet. But I do get out and try to ride some altitude or, you you know, there's other things you can do. And uh, so I haven't committed on what I'm going to do this summer yet. Uh, I was out training with uh, my uh, buddy Dennis Thompson from uh, Tyler, Texas, has a second home up here. And we were out on, like I said, on west of town. And I'm kind of riding with him, gearing him up. He's wants to uh, finish. He's done the 100, but he hasn't made the cutoff of 12 hours. But where he's at now in his training, I've worked with him on stressing hills. You better know what <laughs> vertical is. You know, just don't think I'm riding 300 miles a week and I'm getting 300 vertical feet in 300 miles. That's not going to cut it. It'd be better to ride 100 miles a week with, you know, 20,000 vertical feet because this this is a vertical race at elevation. So, you know, that's the challenge. But so I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I stay active and healthy. If I don't race, I'll help with the race series and crew or uh, help the folks with lifetime. Well, now, if that doesn't have your attention about your buddy Dennis not hitting a cutoff, why don't you tell these people how Dennis does with that run? Dennis has done the uh, 100 mile run before, he's done them all over uh, the United States. And uh, he came up years ago to do the Leadville one and fell in love with Leadville and ended up buying a house. And uh, he really hasn't done any other races anywhere but the <laughs> Leadville series. He hasn't uh, run in, in uh, a few years. He had a knee replaced and he switched over to the bike just because, you, you know, if you know or don't know, it's going to be easier for your body later on in life. And Dennis is going to be 74 years young and uh, he, he's very fit. I'm looking for him to be in the top three at 70 and older this year, if not win it after seeing what shape he's in this early in the year. But we still have, you know, four months. Things can go south or they can go north. And uh, he will be coming up and staying here all summer and training with the training group we have. And, uh, you know, he he's looking for that belt buckle under 12 hours. Well, yes, here, here the two of you are in your 70s and not yet. I'm scared of both of you. Um, <laughs> what does your training plan look like right now? Well, right now, like I said, I've been training. <laughs> I haven't been up to Leadville this much. In the in the uh, winter, let's say, you know, it's pretty tough to ride up here. I have a fat bike, and so I ride a little bit up here. But I have a, I was a Nordic skier at Western State College, and so I have a strong Nordic background plus coaching. So uh, I still Nordic ski a lot. And that's great upper body and cardiovascular. So I do that. I really don't get on the bike or I haven't till about now because it's just starting to really dry out up here. But now mm -hmm. living this last year in Montrose, uh, I've have, uh, I'm over a thousand miles right now since January, which usually at this time it, it would probably be 
early July if I was living up here mm -hmm. to have a thousand miles. But uh, and I cross country skied a lot up on Grand Mesa, the Black Canyon. So I'm in much better shape this time of the year than I ever was up here. But uh, you know, you never know what can happen. Something you know, you can go down any moment on a bike and knock yourself out for a couple of weeks, or you know, do whatever. So uh, I've been trying to hit somewhere around 100 to 150 miles a week on the bike, trying to get some hill workout in, trying to get some altitude in, uh, do some hill repeats once in a while, do some uh, fartlek. Uh, great, a great one to do is uh, pole to pole, meaning uh, telephone pole where they have the electrical lines out in the country on the country roads. If you can do that. Uh, or just, you know, tree to tree or whatever it is. You, you have to use your imagination to train. Uh, you don't need a track uh, or an oval. You can do it on loops, on roadways. Just watch for the cars or some uphill. Bike paths are great if they're not too congested. But you have to use your imagination and, you know, put in some volume and uh, have some rest and have some good nutrition besides that. And hopefully your plan comes through. But you also need to maybe do some time trials or get in one of these races before so you know what you're getting into. So you might think you're in shape, but maybe you're not in shape. Or it could be the other way around. I am in shape and it proves it when I race early season. So, uh, you know, you got to test yourself now and then. Life is nothing but a bunch of tests every day. And uh, hopefully you can pass those tests, <laughs> whatever they may be. So, uh, you know, it's always a challenge. But like I said, uh, good nutrition, good training. Uh, good sleeping, you know, you, most people, a lot of people, you have to work within your family guidelines also. So it's, it's just a big uh, juggling act. You have to figure out what your goals are, whether you just want to finish the race and make the cutoff, or, uh, you want to be under a certain time and get a bigger buckle. Uh, that's up to you, but that's what the, uh, fun part about this is, you know, it, there's, no team competition like the top five runners are going to score or the top five bicyclists. It's pretty much uh, you against the course, you against the elements, and uh, we hope everybody achieves their goals and uh, enjoys the scenery, the town, and uh, all of that that Lake County has to offer Leadville in the summer. You know, let's you've given them great advice for training. Let's dig just a little deeper on some of this. Um, let's a big thing for a lot of our athletes is that altitude. What advice would you give them specifically for the altitude? Well, the altitude is, you know, don't, don't come. Okay. Let's just say I, I live in Denver. You know, people say that's altitude and it is. Denver is altitude. If you come from, let's say sea level, wherever that may be. Well, if you live in Denver, you still have 5,000 feet minimum because you know, the race, the running race goes up to like 13, one up mosquito pass uh, for the early races, and then later on, you're talking 12-6, 12-7 up Columbine. So, you know, you have to put in some time. I, I would almost recommend, and I've done this, is try to hike some 14ers once the snow melts, whether it's an easy 14er like Sherman, Bierstadt, uh, some of those easier ones what, uh, when the snow goes, or get up here and, you know, ride one day, then the next day you hike Albert or Massive or one of the uh, uh, 14ers in the Collegiate Peak range. But you also want to make sure you're hydrated more than enough and uh, you want good nutrition and you definitely want good rest. And don't put a watch to everything thinking, you know, I'm going to go up Albert in two hours. You know, maybe you will, but you may not come down on your own. <laughs> so, you know, you, you have to just come up here and get used to the altitude. I mean, I live in Montrose part partially and that's 6,000 feet. I come up here and today we were... You know, we're at 10,000 feet. I can feel the altitude. Uh, but, you know, you just have to be smart. Don't come up here for the weekend or a couple of days and pack in 50,000 vertical feet because you might be laid up for a while. But I don't, I don't know what your individual fitness plan has been before you came up here and uh, what your goals are. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I've worked with people on the 100 miler and they've run Albert in the morning came down, refueled, and ran massive the same day for part of the training. But these people were also 20, 21-hour finishers in the Leadville 100. They did a lot of vertical again. 
uh, and not so many miles, but you know, if, if you're going to be out for 30 hours or less, you can't go out for four or five hours. You got to put in some longer stuff. The same way for the bike race. You know, if you're looking at eight to 10 to 12 hours, you can't go out for two hours. When you start, you can. But as the season goes on, you have to start building it up and get some six hours and eight hour rides in and uh, fuel yourself. And, and then you have to take a, a good recovery day or two and not expect to come back the next day and do another six or eight hours, you know, unless you're a eight hour or under finisher. That's a different volume load. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of individual plan based on what your goals are and what your fitness and my, my biggest uh, recommendation would be is work through lifetime. They have a lot to offer in terms of training tips. Again, camps with some of the people that have experienced um, these events. Talk to other people that have done these things. And uh, you'll learn a lot from that. And do some research. There's a lot of articles out there. But uh, going in altitude, don't expect to... You know, if you're a four-minute miler at sea level, you're not going to be a four-minute miler in Denver. <laughs> and you're surely not. You might be a five-minute miler up here at 10,000 feet. So, uh, you know, just be smart. Plan ahead. Don't say, you know, I'm going to do the 100-miler two weeks before, and you luckily you get in because that's probably <laughs> not going to happen. You ha and, and that's good. There's no walk-in registration. You have to plan this out, and I think that's smart, you know, uh, I would say start your training program six to eight months in advance and uh, go from there and, and do some uh, stress tests, not in the laboratory, but <laughs> out with Mother Nature on some hills, on some mountains, on some hard bike rides, or get with other people that have done the race series and uh, let them show you around. That's, that's very possible. Well, yeah, let's sit there for a second. So I think... Uh big challenge of Leadville is obviously the altitude and then for the run and for the bike it's almost because it's that time trial right no matter if you're a 30 hour guy or 25 yeah. hour guy or a 12 hour guy or a nine <clears throat> hour guy or a six hour guy <laughs> it's gonna take all you got all day so do you think that you know we got a lot of athletes that term themselves as slow I sure as hell don't now, do you think that uh, speed work and strength training is important for those people? Uh, your speed, your idea of speed work and my speed work are probably two different things. My background, again, is track work, speed work being uh, 8 to 10 times 400 with a 1 to 2 minute rest. That's not going to be that beneficial for uh, these longer races up here. you got to put in uh, endurance. And you have to put in volume. You have to put in vertical. But when you say uh, speed work for this, you know, you might do something. I know people, and I've done it. You find a hill that's six to eight minutes, and maybe you do four of them. And you take mm -hmm. you you need to take more rest up at altitude than you would down in Denver or sea level. That's just you need more recovery time. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people that go out to uh, St. Kevin's. And uh, they do the hill there, which is, you know, depending on what your level is, anywhere from 10 minutes to 14 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they'll do repeats up that thing, you know, once it dries off. Right now, don't even think about it because you'll need snowshoes. But uh, later on, when it dries out, you'll see guys doing intervals there. We've done interval. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't say intervals. We've done up and down, up and down on the power line. We've done up and down, up and down on Sugarloaf, or you go up Sugarloaf, come down the power line, go up the power line, and go down Sugarloaf. And then, of course, you ride to it from town, so you get anywhere from a six to eight mile warm up. I'm talking about the bike, and then you do that. You know, if you're just going to go out and drive out to the bottom of the power line and do three ups and downs of the power line, you know, that's okay, but. Don't forget, you hit the power line going up at like 75 miles or something. <laughs> so you have to be pretty stressed mm -hmm. on that. Uh, you know, early in the year, I'd recommend going up and down, up and down, up and down. But later on in the year, you got to do a 6 to 8 to 10 mile warm up to get there and then do the workout in a 6 to 8 mile 
cool down back to town that is. And so you're riding the boulevard going down. You're riding the boulevard coming up and doing that. And those are some of our workouts or what we've done is we've ridden from Leadville all the way to uh, Twin Lakes or to the bottom of uh, over to Lost Canyon and Columbine there and back as a long one. And that's, you know, 45 miles type of thing. You know, you want to look at, you know, maybe five hours type of thing for that or six hours or seven hours, depending what it is. But, you know, intervals for this is not as critical as if I was running the mile, the two mile, the 1500 meters, the 3000 meters or the 5000 meters. But I think you'd have to do some type of repetitive work and get that heart rate up because in a hundred mile race, your heart rate is going to go up and down, mm -hmm. up and down. And sometimes it's going to go up a longer than you think, like, you know, going to, uh, 40 miles and you got to climb Columbine and that's one big interval, but coming down, you get, you get some decent rest, even though you're going at the speed of light <laughs> and, uh, then you, you know, refuel again and keep your, your, uh, nutrition up and then the power lines looking at you and, uh, yeah, it, it takes some work, but, uh, you, you know, I would think you need to do a lot of base preparation and then some intervals now and then. And the best way to do that is come up on the weekends or come up when you can and uh, know the course like the back of your hand. And the other thing you have to know is the weather can fluctuate in August up here. We've been pretty lucky to have some pretty nice weather, but I've helped people before paste them or whatever accrued for them when they come back to the power line, whether it's running or riding, and there's an electrical storm. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I don't think they've ever called the race off. Nope. So <laughs> what, what you got to do is you better have that big plastic bag with you and cover yourself, and hopefully you don't have a lot of metal on your bike. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if your hair starts standing up, then you better find a tree or a bush to hide for a while. And, you know, it's rained. Uh, so, you know, you got to learn to train in the elements. You can't train only in beautiful bluebird weather. You need to go out when it's windy and when it's cold and and maybe there's some sleep. You don't have to go out for 10 hours, but you just got to go out for a couple hours and get used to that because that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, it's kind of the Boy Scouts motto is be prepared for everything. And then you have to figure out how are you going to be prepared because you need to carry a lot of this stuff with you if you don't have a great crew support. So uh, in some of those places, you can't get crew members too. Uh, so, you know, a plastic bag, a big black trash bag is always good for a lot of things. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it just, you got to you gotta learn to deal with the elements because it's fair for everybody. I mean, these people don't know what a great coach you are and what great advice they're getting. Now, if you had just one gym you could give them, you know, somebody catches you in the elevator. What are you telling them? It's going to get them to that line in, in August, in July. You know, what, what's your goal? You just want to finish it? You want to go under 12 hours in the run? I mean, in the bike? Or you want to go under 30 hours? And uh, you need to know your goal, and then you have to be realistic and set up a training program, hopefully with some guidance from somebody. And, uh, they, you know, there's a lot of people out there that offer stuff on the Internet. Maybe you look at them, but... If you were going to do the Leadville series, I hope you don't get somebody who's got track experience and has trained these guys for 5,000 meters. That's not it. You need some ultra distance experience coaching on that. Okay. What do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? Um, well, I, I, I think about myself is altitude. Uh, you know, just because it's nice in Denver doesn't mean it's going to be nice up here. It's usually kind of the opposite. It might be raining in Denver, but it's snowing up here. And, uh, you know, Leadville Altitude, the race series for sure. It's been a great economic boost for the town. I don't care what they say. Look at the numbers. Uh, the visitations are up. Uh, you know, the people spend a lot of money in this town. It's good for the economics. Now, we've had a last couple of years with COVID, it's been a little different, but we still had good numbers because people would come up and train. 
And this year it looks like it's going to be all hands on deck, all systems go. And that's going to be great because people are excited about coming back up here. It's always a challenge to, to run and train at altitude because it's not the same as training in Denver or not mm-hmm. the same in Florida, North Carolina, Scotland. And we do get a lot of people from foreign countries and, and it's been an attractive draw because it means something when you walk around town with uh, you know, a jersey on that you've done the, the mountain bike race or the uh, running race, and then you go back home, and I've had mine on in a lot of places just because I was training, and people have stopped me and asked me about the race, and have you done that? And I'm going, yeah, uh, it's not for the faint, and uh, you know, people that usually wear this stuff have have gone through some pain. Pain is the name of the game, but you know, pain is everywhere in life, whether it be in your job, your family, or whatever. You just got to deal with it, and hopefully, you know, you have it under control. Well, you're absolutely one of my favorite humans in life. You've been a huge mentor in my life. Just can't say enough. And uh, it's been a real special, real fun trip down memory lane. Before I cut you loose, is there anything else you'd like to share with these people? Roll the dice. Take a chance. No matter how old you are. I didn't start this race series till I was in my early 60s. And uh, you can do it. You have to believe in yourself, accept the challenge. And, uh, you know, you don't you don't have to be an eight-hour guy in the bike race. You just might want to set your goal for 10 hours, 11 hours, or under 12 in the bike and under 28 or under 30 in the running. But uh, it, it's worth it because you're, you're seeing some of the most picturesque scenery in America. And if you don't believe me, come up here and train. And if you still don't believe me, look at the numbers on the people that sign up to do this and the number of peoples that that don't make the lottery mm-hmm. or they get in the lottery and they don't make the cut for the next level. So you have to consider yourself a special person if you get in some of these races and, uh, you know, they all have cap numbers on them and there's always a waiting line. And I guarantee you, there's no race day registration. Mm-hmm. You got to you have to be thoroughly planned out for this. And it's a one shot deal, at least for this year. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time, for your time, and to the rest of you, our Leadville Race Series family, we will see you in July and August. Thanks, Cole. Well, there you have it. Words of wisdom from my favorite coach and Leadville resident, Frank Minson. I hope you took notes because Frank knows how to get the job done, and uh, he wants to see you get that job done, too. Now remember, if you like what you've heard, please give us a subscribe wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast channels. Don't forget to visit LeadvilleRaceSeries.com to make sure you stay in the know for all things Leadville. We'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville.